Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Welcome to Money Talk, the longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300 List know the difference. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Spano and Mark Oswald. Labor Day weekend, and thank you for joining us. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton. Good morning, Mark Oswald. Good morning, guys. Derek Felsky, hello, and here we go with the Week in Review, and here we are sitting on the 31st. We're, so, looks like we are done with August. Yeah, and done with the summer. It's hard to believe eight months in the books already, guys, for this trading year. And, and for investors, I think it's, it's healthy always to look backwards a little bit, Derek. So, just even just looking at August as it was for the S&P 500 and for the bond market for fixed income people that are out there. Talk a little bit about the S&P 500 and what kind of experience we all had this last month. Well, it was a very choppy month. You know, we basically traded within about a 4% range from 2820 on the downside and the S&P 500 up to about 2940, uh, which we briefly tagged yesterday. So basically, we've been gyrating between support and resistance levels. Fixed income, on the other hand, an extraordinary month. The yeah. Treasury, the 20-year Treasury ETF, TLT, was up more than 10% for the month. And one of the factors that I feel is kind of supporting equities right now is this massive rally in fixed income has caused many large pension funds to rebalance their portfolios. In other words, reduce their exposure to the treasuries, which have performed extremely well, and add exposure to dividend-paying stocks in the S&P 500. When I think back to this show over the summer, back to May, back to June, we had predicted some volatility in the markets. Now, I mean, that doesn't make us Nostradamus, but it just simply is that that's what happens in the summertime. Our investment committee really took that as an opportunity to look at rebalancing our portfolios, spending some cash that we had built up in some of our models and taking advantage of that volatility. That's right. And we, you know, one of the things we focus on is something called the fear and greed index. Uh, a month ago, it was at 53, which is a fairly neutral reading, but really for the last three weeks, it's been below 30. So in, in my mind, you know, all other things being equal, that that's a time to look for opportunities rather than fear headlines. Let's turn our attention then to tariff talk. We've got some deadlines that are coming up this weekend. Sunday, September 1st is the implementation of some additional tariffs on goods coming into the country. little change here because we're not talking about airplane parts and steel. We're talking about things that get to the consumer ultimately. So it might be a pretty big deal if indeed it goes through. It would. Um, one bright spot primarily, I think the reason the market rallied so strongly on Thursday, the equity markets, was that China indicated that it wouldn't immediately retaliate. So they're trying to dampen some of this escalating uh, trade rhetoric. At the same time, the president, in any number of reports, has it's been suggested that he's kind of regretting the, the angle with which he's attacked tariffs, because, you know, many companies are actually being hurt by this. I mean, he mentioned that the Apple CEO, Tim Cook, made a really good case that, you know, Samsung, which makes its products in Korea, was not subjected to tariffs, while Apple, which makes many products in China was. And I'm although I'm sure the president was aware of that, at least I think he was, it does indicate that tariffs aren't necessarily just hurting the Chinese. So looking at retail sales, for instance, there's people who are saying these tariffs are ultimately going to be borne by the consumer. I'm not saying you rush out and buy a TV this afternoon because, you know, the tariffs might be coming because a lot of the big box companies have stockpiled in advance of this. And a lot of the retailers are going to absorb the tariffs. I think it's a small business owner. I think of 
of you know men's clothiers, for instance, uh, that bring in 80% of their stuff from China. Ultimately, that's going to be hard for small business owners to absorb. I don't think that it's going to be a huge impact on retail consumers right now, but I think it's something, obviously, to continue to keep our eye on. Last thing I wanted to talk about in the week of review is the inverted yield curve. You know, we've talked so much about that on the show. We, you can't turn on the TV without seeing it. Is this potentially a false alarm? It certainly could be. The yield curve has a less than perfect track record. In fact, it's called for 10 of the last five recessions. So, so historically, the yield curve isn't endemic of a situation where bank lending perhaps can lessen, which can, can be self-reinforcing and generate recession. But right now, we've got an unprecedented situation. We have three countries in Eastern and in, in the European zone, Germany, the Netherlands, and Switzerland, all of which have all terms of their, their yield curve at negative. So that's pushing long-term rates down. At the same time, the ECB is expected to cut uh, their interest rates with 100% probability in September, and the U.S. is expected to see a Fed funds rate cut uh, in September. So there's lots of machinations about the yield curve, uh, any number of possibilities. I mean, we look at it as something to basically be aware of, but with leading indicators strong, the consumer strong, corporate balance sheets in good shape, and oil prices at the lowest level they've been in three years in terms of gasoline prices, uh, there's the risk of a recession seems pretty low at this moment. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. We're going to take a break. If you're a little concerned about how things look, uh, or if you think you're in great shape, Check us out. Uh, hit uh, the Get Started button when you go to AnnexWealth.com for that free portfolio analysis. Again, AnnexWealth.com. It's 1013 at WTMJ. A Barron's top advisor, a member of the Financial Times Top 300, and a Journal Sentinel Top Workplace. Know the difference. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. And we're back on Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, August 31st. Thanks for riding along with us. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Just look for that Get Started button as we're just about to cross over into September. You might want to have things in order. Have us take a look at things. That is free. That is easy. Just, again, just look for that button at AnnexWealth.com. So if people sold in May and then went away, does that mean we're flocking back to the pond now? Well, it's an interesting thing because, you know, it's a phenomenon that we've looked at, Derek, is the sell in May and go away mentality. And that was, a, you know, those was one of those adages in the market that probably was more prevalent 10 years ago when we didn't have laptops and iPhones and everything else. And the traders went away for the for the summer. But if you looked at it, if, and if you'd have taken the first day of summer, June 21st, and you'd have been invested, let's say, 60-40 or 70-30 in VTI, which is the Vanguard Total Market Index, and BND, a bond fund, for instance, if you were a 60-40, 70-30 investor in that, you made money. So, I mean, it's the case for diversification and staying the course. It is. And, and during the summer, um, you know, liquidity is much lower in August. Uh, so moves can be magnified by algorithmic trading and the like. But one thing I'd like to talk about is um, Warren Buffett, right? T t on Friday, it was his 89th birthday. On his birth date in 1930, the Dow was at 240. 240. Right. So think about that. So it's more than 100 times higher in his lifetime. And that just begets the notion that people that stick with a plan, that allocate intelligently, that take a, a, a advantage of opportunities as, as they persist, are really advantaged by owning equities for the long run. It's one of the things I take from our investment committee every Tuesday morning is the idea that we always come back to this idea of discipline. 
and, and not taking emotion into our portfolios. That's hard for people to do when it's your money, you know, and you're looking at your 401k balance or your brokerage statement, and it's down. Let's t- let's say December of 2018. It was it was difficult for a lot of people, but to have the discipline to stay with the portfolio, like like a Warren Buffett or or you know somebody who doesn't sell in May and go away. Ultimately, over the long run, you get paid off for that. Right, because oftentimes it's it's really two decisions. You can make a decision to move to the sidelines, move to cash, get defensive. I know several uh, clients of ours. In fact, were very nervous the president might get get impeached, so they thought they should raise cash. We had others who thought the trade thing was going to morph into a real trade war and and have recessionary implications. They they wanted to move to cash, uh, and that's the job not just of the investment committee but of all our relationship managers to basically educate them behaviorally coach them and and kind of nudge them to follow the plan that was laid out through very careful meetings with our registered our registered investment advisors and our uh investment team. And certainly we don't put our head in the sands and just say, let's go for it, because there is time to be tactical. And when world events or economic cycles start to present themselves, we will move. I've often drawn the analogy of a speedometer on a car and getting a client to be, you know, when you when you measure risk, you might say you're comfortable traveling between 45 and 65 miles an hour. There's times where the roads are clear, the weather's good, and you're comfortable driving 62, 63 miles an hour. There's other times when it's raining and storming and we see clouds and we want to dial that back a little bit. So you can be tactical without being all in or all out. And I think that's the lesson from this summer and certainly the lesson from a, an investor, a lifetime investor like Warren Buffett. Well, even this week, you know, last Friday, the the Dow, the Dow was down over 700 points at its lows, closed down about 650 points. We've recovered all of those losses this week. Uh, so we're meandering around waiting for direction on trade, corporate profits, the economy and, and Fed policy. Policy. And that really doesn't change from week to week or month to month. But what I would say is as we go into September right now, sentiment is pretty negative. You know, the fear and greed index is at a low level. Put call ratios are elevated. Uh, stock, the stock bond ratio, which is something that I look at, is at a very major support level that was established in, over Christmas in 2018, which suggests stocks had a really great run after that. High beta stocks have been underperforming dramatically. That could change. The FANG stocks, and I'm talking principally about Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, are all back to major support levels. They have not participated in the advance of the market this year. Uh, That could also change because they are big growers in in an economy that's kind of growing at a very moderate pace. So I think the glass is more half full than it is half empty at this juncture. And you got earnings season coming again, too. I mean, by the end of the next month, we're going to get some earnings again. The year-over-year comparables get a little bit easier to beat, so we might start to see some earnings growth again. 6% maybe in the last part of the year. 10% maybe in 2020 is what people are talking about as far as earnings growth because now the bar has been set a little lower for those companies to beat their earnings from 2019. Annex Wealth Management, a Barron's top advisor, a four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, easy to find uh, branches in Elm. Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, downtown. Uh, we're inside the Fister. We're in Appleton. And then uh, we can use screen share technology where you don't even have to visit the branch. Just go to Annex Everywhere. Uh, use Annex Everywhere, rather. Again, the website, AnnexWealth.com. The longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Know the difference? Team Tech trusts a strong benefits package, helps attract employees, it retains employees, it's important, but it's hard to run a business and keep it straight. Annex Wealth Management can help. The guy that does that is Tom Parks. He's Director of Retirement Plan Services. That's what he and his 
team does. Hey, welcome back, Tom. That's right. It's the whole team. I just get to take credit for them. Thanks for having me back. A couple of updates today. The first is what we'll take as good news for 401k participants, and that's according to Fidelity. 93% of plan sponsors are now working with an advisor, and that is an all-time high. First off, let's decode some of the jargon, okay? Plan sponsors. Who's that? That's the employer. That, so you're, the, the company that you work for is the plan sponsor. Somebody who works at the company fills the actual role, but the company really is the plan sponsor. I'm sure there's a reason, but sometimes these phrases get a little confusing. And a participant, then, is the employee. The employees. Okay. That's right, exactly. We, I've actually tried to steer away from using those terms for that very reason, but that, that's totally industry jargon. So employers are working with advisors, which is an all-time high. That's got to be good. That gives them better tools and hopefully better guidance for their employees. Yeah, you know what? It's good for both groups, both the employers and the employees, because what's happening in our industry, the 401k industry is heavily regulated and is getting more and more specialized. And like you said at the beginning, all the people with whom we work, whether it's on the employer side or the employee side even, they've got other stuff to do. So especially those HR managers, the CFOs, the owners of the company, who are responsible for these 401k plans, they are finding that they really do need an advisor. That's why you're up to you know over 93% of people finally working with an advisor to say, look, I'm counting on you to help me make sure I'm not doing anything I'm not supposed to do and that I'm doing the things I am supposed to do. Right. As my dad used to say, the chief cook and bottle washer. I mean, you're, you're busy washing bottles, right? Right. So, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's right. We got that 401k. So it's good to have a partner. That's what we do. Yeah. And you want to have a partner who is specializes in these things. You know, you look, I've been doing this for nearly 20 years, I have only worked in the qualified plan space. So qualified plan, another one. Think of 401k, profit sharing, stuff like that, right? And so it is a complex world. It's not the same as your average investment advisor. That's what I love about working here is we have the team and we're deep with the specialization. Why do employers do it? Well, the top reasons that they hire advisors were to help understand how well the plan is working for employees and how to improve it and get help. Because it's a complicated process when you're managing a retirement plan, and ultimately it falls on the employers. Yeah, so this thing that you're talking about is the plan sponsor attitude survey that Fidelity does, and they're in their 10th year of doing this. The cool thing with Fidelity is they are the largest record keeper. Record keeper is another term. Think of it as the the 401k provider, right? And they have so many clients that they can actually just mine their own client base to get a very good sense of what's happening in the market overall. And they've seen these trends. It used to be that a lot of plan sponsors, employers, were hiring advisors because they needed help with the, the fiduciary responsibilities that they have. And there's still a lot of that. But the change, what we seeing is there's a change in focus. They're saying, no, now we really want an advisor because we want them to help our employees. And that's what I think is so cool. Again, obviously, I'm, I'm very biased. I think we got a great team, but we have that. We'll make sure we're taking care of you on the employer side, but we also have people who can sit down, be real, not be intimidating or condescending when they're helping people understand how does this 401k that your employer put together work for you and how can you best take advantage of it? Well, I'm a little biased, too, because um, you helped set up the Annex 401k. Right. I think it's really good. Yes. That, that, I feel like that's a good, reasonable baseline minimum. You know, Hopefully, yeah. we're doing it right ourselves. Well, I've, I've had plenty, and, and ours is really good. And again, this is something that Annex Wealth Management can do for you. Um, here's another one. We're talking about updates today. The number of Americans with a million dollars or more in their 401k accounts has reached record levels. How about that? It's very exciting. You know, uh, the, I was just looking at the how the market's been doing, and depending on the day, uh, some days are better than others. But the thing is that people, I think, the the 
message has gotten out. It's important to save for retirement. And we're really starting to see that cultural shift where there's an assumption that you are going to save something in either a 401k or some similar, you know, if it's an individual retirement account, IRA, things like that. It's very encouraging what we're seeing. We always talk about the free portfolio analysis here at Annex Wealth Management. And I would think that when people share their investment portfolios, the lion's share is probably the 401k. That is frequently the case. Yes. Other news, the average employee contribution rate has reached a record level, 8.8% in the second quarter, and 32% of savers have increased their contribution rate in the second quarter. That also is the highest quarterly percentage ever. That's good news. Yes, that's huge. And this is what, you know, a lot of people will say, hey, the reason there are so many 401k millionaires is because the market's been pushing it up. And that absolutely, you know, plays a role in this. But the reality is your 401k account isn't going to grow if you're not putting any money into the thing. So seeing these these trends of people putting more and more in on an average basis, you know, total contributions going into plans. It's really encouraging. Not only are we seeing that the amount that people are saving is going up. So let's say you used to save 6%. Now you're saving eight, you're heading toward 10. That trend is very favorable. The other thing is just as a percentage overall, more people are saving than used to. So some people used to do nothing. Maybe now they're doing three or four, which, you know, is a great start. You want to try to get up to 10, you know, 15 in that range, but three or four is certainly better than nothing. So the average amount people are putting in is going up and the number of people who are saving, participating in this whole trend is going up as well, which is really, really great. So if you run a company, if you're a CFO, if you're an HR professional and you need some help, and it sounds like more and more companies are are going to professionals because it just makes sense. Tom Parks and his team can help. We'd love to, and we really enjoy doing it. You know, it doesn't matter if you're making nine bucks an hour or you're making 150 grand a year. We have a team that can help you figure out how to best take advantage of this benefit. He's the director of retirement plan services. He and his team help a number of companies. They can help yours. Details at AnnexWealth.com. Tom, thank you for your time. Thank you. It is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Team Tech Trust. Money Talk is straight talk from a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Time for Ask Annex, and this is where we answer your questions, and we're open. Just head to AnnexWealth.com, look for the Ask button. Our first is from Jackson. Thought we'd start with something easy. What is the chance of a U.S. recession now? Is there any way of predicting the length of a recession? In, in terms of predicting the length of a recession, that's very complicated. But but right now, what I'd have to say, you know, based on what I've looked at and what I've read, is that the chance of a recession has been rising. The inverted yield curve certainly is a concern. But remember, the United States is driven by the consumer. Over 70% of GDP is consumer-driven. Last month, we saw retail sales up better than expected. We saw great reports from very broad-based companies like Walmart, Costco, and Home Depot report excellent numbers. Uh, gas prices are at a three-year right. low. That's obviously a tax cut to the consumer. And since 1973, recessions have typically been precipitated by a sharp rise in oil prices, which is not the case, Mark. And the other thing, Derek, is we did get a GDP number that was 2%, and, and you know that's not runaway growth, right? GDP is the growth of the U.S. economy, goods and services, and you're still growing at 2%. To get to a recession, you have to have negative growth, negative GDP for at least two quarters in a row. 
we're still far away from that. And the other thing, too, is, you know, the weakness we're seeing overseas where Europe and Germany in particular had a negative GDP print in the second quarter. It's pushing interest rates lower, which essentially gives the bull market and the and the economy a little bit of a, a buffer, if you will, towards towards real weakness. Because as long as interest rates remain low, companies do have an incentive to hire people, spend money on CapEx and grow their business. Ask Annex with Annex Wealth Management. This one comes from Chip. Can a global economic recession lead to a U.S. recession? Yeah, usually the other way around, for sure. I mean, a U.S. recession usually leads to a global recession. Sometimes we don't participate in these types of recessions. They they get to be a little bit more localized. Could happen, Derek, you know, but uh, not necessarily one leads to the other every time. Yeah, and I think this question is kind of endemic in the first question. Essentially, while the U.S. did lead global recessions the last four times, the U.S. consumer is currently the, the tailwind against a global recession. And, of course, these trade issues could, could you know morph into something worse, but they could also become somewhat better as the president perhaps walks back some of these extreme negotiating tactics he's engaged in in the past. Ask Annex with Annex Wealth Management. If you have a question for us, go to AnnexWealth.com. Look for that Ask button right at the top. This one comes from Bill. What are the key levels here, and what charts are you watching? Well, I do, I do admit to looking at charts. You know, the, I've ta- we've talked on the air before about the 50-day moving average, which essentially is a 10-week moving average of prices, and the 200-day moving average, which is a longer-term measure. And right now, we're kind of betwixt and between. We're below the 50, but we're above the 200. The 200 is, is one that most of these algorithmic traders view as a, as a sign of the longer-term trend. And as I mentioned earlier, signs of stress are all over the place. Put-call ratios are high. Uh, the fear and greed index is is fairly low. Um, we're near support levels on any number of indexes, the stock bond ratio I mentioned earlier. Uh, so those are the kind of things I look for. You think, Derek, about some of the things we look at in our investment committee, you look at inflation, for instance, we don't have runaway inflation right now. The Fed's just getting to its target of around 2%. We look at wage inflation, you know, a sign of a recession might be wage inflation getting away from us. Maybe north of 4%, we're about 2%, 2.5%, maybe 3% on wage inflation. And then you look at, at the Fed and monetary policy. We don't see the Fed taking money out of the economy right now by raising rates. In fact, the opposite is happening, and so that usually is supportive of the stock markets. No, that's true. I mean, when I when I think about, you know, it's sort of a mosaic. We have technicals and then we have fundamentals. I mean, there's a technician I know who years ago used to say today's technicals are tomorrow's fundamentals. So he ignored the fundamentals entirely and just focused on on the charts. And while that's not foolproof, because we've had many cases where we've dropped below the 200 day moving average during this nine year bull market, uh, the, the fact of the matter remains that downward market conditions can generate fundamentals if they become pervasive and, and particularly negative in terms of headline risk. Ask Annex, Annex Wealth Management. This one comes from Wayne. Have over a million in savings, various accounts. Both my wife and me are over age 70. So far this year, I've earned 6.92% allocation, 75% fixed instruments, 25% primarily in equities. Monthly income still allows us to save about 10%. Should I change my allocation? Well, first of all, you're doing something right. So I don't know, you know, that we would tell you to change anything. But, you know, my answer always to these types of questions when people ask us is there's no absolute. We don't know enough about this individual to make a recommendation about reallocating your portfolio. Risk tolerance would come into the conversation for me to a great degree because of the fact that you might be comfortable with 75% of your money in bonds. It's a little high for me 
for my taste, even at that age. But, uh, you know, Derek, what are your thoughts in, in terms of, if, you know, if he's getting near 7% in his portfolio, that's not a bad return for somebody in that age bracket. Maybe do nothing. A couple of things on this. One, you know, when we meet with clients, we talk about their benchmark. What is their goal? And typically the goal is to beat inflation by 1%, 2 or 3% over a long period of time. Because if you're doing that, you're increasing the real value of your portfolio. The other thing I'd say is, given the, the situation with the fixed income markets and the equity markets, high, high quality dividend paying companies, where companies have free cash flow margins, the ability to raise their dividends and the like, look really good relative fixed income. So while I wouldn't suggest he moves that 25, 75 allocation dramatically, he might want to consider what that 25% is. And if he adds to any kind of exposure, it would be something that does pay him a dividend, would yield much better tax adjusted returns than purely invested in fixed income. That is Ask Annex on uh, Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. It is 1041 at WTMJ. Annex Wealth Management, a Barron's top advisor, a four-time member of the Financial Times 300. Uh, You can check us out today at AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary. And we put that in writing. You're listening to Money Talk on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. This is a team segment with Brandon Arps, a wealth manager at Annex. Welcome back to the show, Brandon. Good to see you, Danny. So baby boomers get a lot of attention. So do millennials and even Gen Z. You know who doesn't get much attention? That's Generation X. My generation. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. I guess I, I think you're so youthful, I think of you as a millennial. <laughs> Take that as a semi-compliment, okay? <laughs> so Generation X, you're born in the early to mid-60s into the early 80s. So that's you, right? Yep. Okay. Latchkey Generation. MTV generation, grunge, hip-hop, independent films. And according to a new study, the forgotten generation when it comes to retirement planning. Now, Brandon, you work with a pretty wide set of clients here at Annex Wealth Management. Are you kind of seeing the same thing? To some degree, yes. You know, it's, it's kind of funny when you look at the type of people that come in, because I think there are certainly different types of savers, whether it's for gold specifically or retirement specifically. You get everything in the spectrum. So some of the millennials that I work with take savings very seriously, where they come into the office and the plan is for them to uh, retire at age 55. Well, nowadays, that's not very attainable for most folks. But some of these, a uh, percentage of these folks, actually, the way that their plans shape out the amount that they're saving, the expenses that they have, it looks very good. Are they kind of uh, rare birds, millennials? They that, are. That are actually getting real about retirement planning? They are a rare bird. Most like to engage. They want to see where they're at, what they can do to move the needle, and how they can increase their odds of a successful retirement or even early retirement. What do you see with Generation Xers, people that are about your same age? What I really see is, is kind of that hodgepodge of their career everywhere, coupled with the fact of the young growing family, for instance, and the lack of time that they're able to dedicate to such an important topic. And and as far as savings go, a lot of them are kind of just doing the, the minimum, um, maybe getting the employer match, haven't really looked at the allocation in the 401k, maybe started a, a Roth IRA a few years back, but never really look at it, don't make constant contributions to it, really kind of having everything out there 
but not really having the guidance or the direction on what is best and what should be done. Well, let's go there a little bit because at least they're doing something. And I think that's the important thing. So if they were to like get real serious as a Gen Xer and, and kind of 20, 30 years away from retirement mm-hmm. and they want to get serious all of a sudden, what kind of steps do you say? Now, you said that they're contributing the, the minimum. I would think you get that to the maximum. But what other things? Yeah. You know, you, you want to work on saving for yourself. You know, you've done a good job building yourself thus far, right? You maybe you went to college or you got a nice job, um, have been climbing that corporate ladder. Right now, in, in a lot of these individuals I'm talking to, it's time to, to kind of climb the, the financial ladder and, and the realization that kind of the, the investment that they've put into themselves previously is now paying off. Well, now it's it's a time that, that they're going to be able to look at other options outside of perhaps the 401k or increasing those contributions into investment accounts and savings that ultimately is going to lead to a, a much more successful retirement or other goals that they have financially. So what happens when they say, well, Brandon, that sounds good, but I got three little kids. I got a mortgage. I got all this stuff. You know, I got, I got soccer to pay for. I mean, all that stuff. So what do you say to that? Uh, me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, you know, everybody's got challenges and there's always going to be a handout that's ready to collect your next your next dollar. What I feel is getting serious about retirement planning is, is really getting serious about sitting down and talking about your goals. You know, a lot of us um, growing up and even over the past 10 years, I laugh in, in, in some of these meetings because one of the questions I ask is, hey, have you ever thought about how much money you want to spend in retirement? It's just such a, a thought that it is, is not common for our age group. But engaging and in, in, in having that initial conversation is very powerful because now that we are transitioning towards re- retirement years eventually, that conversation is going to be much more powerful as far as what we can do to implement a plan that makes sense. Gen X, from what I've read, tends not to work as closely with retirement professionals like, like we are. And obviously, we believe in that. That's what we do. So not working with a retirement professional, that can be an expensive mistake. It can be. That's kind of why we we exist is to help bring some of the uncertainty out of your plan and help us work together and collaborate together to make sure that the financial decisions that you're making are ultimately going to affect you positively in the future. Gen X, listen up. It's not too late. And if you think you need to get things in the right place, Brandon, you and your Annex Ignite team, ready to roll up the sleeves and get things done. Absolutely. And I'm also seeing that a lot of people our age don't think that they have enough or that they would qualify for financial advisory services or that just because of the the balances in their accounts that it's not worthwhile or, or it won't make a difference. Well, that's very untrue because even though your accounts may be small today, when we put that in into combination with kind of the everything that you have, it does add up and it does make a difference. Brandon Arps, a wealth manager at Annex, talking about Gen X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to be here, Danny. Team Tech Trust, that's the way we roll at Annex Wealth Management, the website AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button and we'll get you going. W277CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. Team Tech trust and a fee-only fiduciary model that works in your best interest can your advisor say that this is money talk on wtmj website annexwealth.com click that get started button get that free portfolio analysis also sign up for the axiom which is our weekly newsletter this is money talk annex wealth management it is saturday it's august 31st 
Sure appreciate you um, spending a little time. Maybe you're driving through this weekend. Hope you've enjoyed this last hour. We're not done yet. Got a few things that we're going to cover. My name is Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here and Dave Spano. Yes, sir. You know, there's there's so much that we talk about, about know the difference. And know the difference really is about knowing the difference between financial advisors. We want people to be educated. We want people to get something out of the show. But compare your current relationship to the know the difference relationship. And that is, let's start at the very first box. And that is fiduciary relationship and we talk a lot about that I even get mocked a little bit from my friends they call me mr. fiduciary but you know what we want to talk about is the difference in relationships and knowing the difference between the how you're getting served today and what is the alternative but this brings me to something that is coming out this past week and uh, we'll all remember Supreme Court Justice Scalia he has a son that has been nominated for the Department of Labor position let's give a real quick history of who was the DOL secretary uh, in Acosta in, in where we are today? Well, even going back one generation before that, when you start thinking about the Dodd-Frank Act of, of 2008, and I don't want people to gloss over while they're driving their car down I-94 right now, but you have to go there because it's the core of what's happening with the Department of Labor. At that point in time, the Obama administration had the labor secretary, uh, Thomas, Thomas Perez, Perez, and right. Thomas Perez was challenged with the idea of coming up with a, a standard of care for fiduciary when they're working with retirement plans. By the way, assets. as you as you well know, Thomas Perez is also the head of the DNC, which, of course, the DNC convention is coming here to Milwaukee, as and everyone believe, obviously knows. And I believe his bride is from Milwaukee. That's right. So we're going to see him a lot in the next right. year. Right. So, so Perez, I'm sorry, Mark, Perez was the DOL secretary under President Obama. So they come up with the DOL rule, which was... Well-intended. I mean, that's probably the best way I can say it is the idea of acting in the best interest of retirees in their retirement plans is a really good idea in concept. It's a tough idea in practice because it led to this dual standard of, you know, when, when you're working with a person, what hat are they wearing? So they talked about hat flipping. And at some point in time when he's working in your retirement account, that advisor has to be a fiduciary, but not so much when they're working in your brokerage account or your trust account or whatever it was. And it led to confusion. And then we've talked a lot on this show, Dave, about the confusion that's been created by the DOL rule. Now jump forward to 2016. The DOL rule gets challenged by a group of people, the Chamber of Commerce, for instance, people in the insurance industry, FSI, Financial Services Institute, they all challenge the DOL rule in court. Well, who's the lead attorney for the plaintiffs in that case against the Department of Labor? Eugene Scalia. So it's the same guy who's now up for the head job at the DOL, and he's conflicted, at least in theory, as to how he's going to handle a DOL mandate going forward to come up with a fiduciary standard of care, because on the one hand, he's suing the government successfully to abolish the DOL rule, and at the same time, he's now challenged with creating a DOL rule that's going to be a fiduciary standard of care. So where do you where do you fall? Do you protect consumers or do you protect corporations? Are you protecting Wall Street or are you protecting retirees? So it's an interesting appointment. We'll see if ultimately he's confirmed, but it certainly is something to back to your point that people should understand as part of Know the Difference. And you ask those questions in the fiduciary standard of care and fee-only fiduciary standard of care. If we leave our list with one thing, please have them understand that piece. For sure. And, and the fiduciary standard of care is a constant. And by that, I mean it doesn't change throughout the duration of the relationship. Someone who's going to be a fiduciary to you at all 
times in all things. It's easy for somebody to say, I'm going to act in your best interest in the sale of this product to you. And, you know, they'll throw it up and say, sure, I'll be your, you know, I'll be a fiduciary to you. But it's not a standard of care that's a legal standard of care. Only a true fiduciary, someone who's a fee-only advisor that's registered with the SEC or registered with the states in which they're doing business can be a true fiduciary. Everybody else is a promise. So what we ask people to do is look for a fiduciary advisor who's willing to put that standard of care in writing to you. So when we started with paragraph one of our agreement with our clients, which is this is our relationship, this is the framework for how we're going to work together, paragraph one is we are a fiduciary. We are your fiduciary in all things throughout this relationship. I would say to you, Dave, that if I was going to give some advice to my mother or to a loved one and they were saying, I want to go out and find an advisor and I wasn't in this business, I would say start with somebody who's a fiduciary. And how do you do that, Mark? You jump in and you can go to our website, but not only that, you could actually schedule an appointment as well. For, for sure. And if, if you're interested in the free portfolio review or getting that framework for financial plan, we believe in it so dearly that we give it away for free and test it out. You know, see if a fiduciary is right for you. Go to the website, hit that get started button, and you're going to be able to schedule your appointment right there. There's going to be a, a texting opportunity, a chat opportunity, and even a scheduling opportunity. So you don't have to go back and forth and, and try to figure out which Thursday is going to work for you. You're going to get the appointment at the location you want, at the time you want. See if it's a good fit for you. See if a fiduciary is right for you to get you to your financial plan. There you go. The website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button today. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.